Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Well, I'm excited to share with you. We began this series, we called it Plenty Too Much, about how to go from a a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. Really what we're talking about is going from living a life of fear to living by faith. How many know the victorious life is living by faith in everything that we do? I really started off this time, you might remember, I had written this book, and the Plenty Too Much book, and, and, and we thought, well, now this COVID thing here, um, don't release the book now. Wait till everything calms down and, and just kind of uh, wait till a better time. And then all of a sudden we realized, no, um, if there's ever been a time where this message was needed, it's now. <laughs> and, and it's needed to help people get to what we're calling this new normal. And, and this new normal is, is from here to there. But the problem is many people don't know where there is. I know where here is. How many are fed up with here and you want to go there? The only problem is, where's there? We don't know yet where there is. But what I've been saying to you is that there is not a place, it's a mindset. There is where we are allowing God to change the way we think so we can see opportunities we've never seen before and never had before. God has been doing, I believe, a shift in us, a, a shift that, that changes a lot of things. I think before this whole virus thing, a lot of us maybe were feeling more like we're in control. If we want something to get, we can go get it. And, and that was good. The only problem is it made it be us, the source, right? Man, if I want toilet paper, I can go get toilet paper. And then that day came, oh my gosh. Wait a second, this is America. Did anybody have those thoughts? In America, you can always get what you want. And then, you know, Sharon told me that some of the friends she has, the news came in, Hobby Lobby is going to be closed. And it was like, this is the great tribulation. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I can't go to Hobby Lobby and, and all of a sudden, wait a second. See, in the majority world, that's normal. Half the time you go to the store, you can't get what, but not in America and not on Amazon. I wonder if God could be trying to get our attention. If God could be saying that this time of lack is really about us discovering how to go from us being our source to letting God be our source. To go from, I can get, get it my way, to God, I need to depend on you for what you have. Could it be that God's teaching us not to rely so much on what we can get, but on what we can trust God to give? You see, in good times, we've had a prosperous life, but what if there's something better than a prosperous life? What if the abundant life? It's not about what we can get, but about how we can give more and know God as our source. 
in a way we haven't known him before? What if, if the real point of all of this was, look, you've lived a certain way and you kind of were, were all secure, but I have a new way to live and it's not out of your pocket anymore, it's out of God's pocket. What if God wants to teach you and the theme of the whole book is not what's in your pocket, capital one, but what's in God's wallet? What, what might God have that you were so satisfied with your ordinary life, you didn't even think maybe there's something that's a greater life. And it's about the kingdom. And it's about miracles. And it's about healings. And it's about, I was so settled in Zion that I didn't know God wanted me to go to a promised land. That's what is the theme of this story we want to look at, John chapter 6. And, and this is kind of the theme of the book, and, and let's read it together. And, and it's a little boy in a time of lack. And I just want you to notice this. How many know a little child shall lead them? And in this story, the little boy takes a whole bunch of people who were with a one mindset, based on what they could get, and all of a sudden they couldn't get what they could get, and this little boy says, hey, it's not about what you can get, it's about who you're with. What if you let Jesus be the source? And it changed absolutely everything. So let's just read it. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with the disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? How many know when Jesus asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. <laughs> he wants to test your heart. I love it when Jesus messes with people's brains. <laughs> I just love it, you know. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. How many know God knows what he's going to do with this whole virus thing? He's not mixed up. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one of us to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with small, five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Somebody say, as much as they wanted. How many know he's a plenty too much, Jesus? Hallelujah. And he did the same with the fish. And when they had enough to eat, he said to them, go let the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten and gather the pieces, of the, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of five barley loaves and left over by those who had eaten. I don't know, it doesn't say, but I'll bet you they gave them to the little boy. <laughs> and don't you know his mom was surprised when he came home with 12 basketfuls. <laughs> now, here is what I want you to see. This tells us three incredible things about how God provides for us in times of lack and need. How many think that's an important lesson to learn? How to make God your provider when it doesn't feel like you're gonna have enough. 
And as we said over and over, it's not just about money or jobs. When you don't have enough wisdom, when you're fed up in your family and you don't have enough love and patience, when you're so tired you don't have energy, when you feel confused and you don't have a solution, there are lots of places of lack that we all come to. But this tells us three incredible things. Number one, if you see in your notes, God is our plenty too much provider. Amen. There's a great story, the Genesis, about a man named Abraham. He was told to take his only son and, and to kill him on Mount Moriah. And, and he was in this place. Have you ever had your back up against a wall? I mean... Am I going to obey God and kill my son? And in that desperate moment, all of a sudden the angel of the Lord says, look over there and there's a bush and there's a ram. And he puts that ram on the altar instead. And right there, Abraham makes this incredible declaration. He says, you are Jehovah Jireh. Somebody say Jehovah Jireh. You know what that means? You are. The God who provides. Can I just say, because I think this is a word for somebody. When you have your back against the wall, God is the one who makes a way. I was watching Indiana Jones with some of my grandkids. And, you know, Indiana's getting ready to be shot by the Nazis. He's against the wall. And all of a sudden, the wall goes, whoop, (laughs) you know. But how many know God can turn the wall around? And, and what the Lord was saying, and again, I'm saying this right now because I know many of you in, are in a very tight situation. You are in a box, and there seems no way out of this. It, it seems just like, like those disciples. There's no way out of this. But God says, I have a way. And it comes by shifting your focus and shifting your mindset to something bigger than you. And the big power of that is more than just that you you can pay the bills. The big power of that is you begin to know personally your Father God as your Jehovah Jireh. This is huge. You see, Abraham wasn't just making a scientific observation, God is a provider. He was claiming God as his covenant provider. I will live the rest of my life different because I have a Jehovah Jireh. (laughs) I remember so clearly, Sharon and I, I was like 22, she was like, like, she's much younger. But anyhow, the idea was we were just kids called to go plant a church. We had had no job out there where we were going to move, no money. Uh, Russ and Sue Yeager were with us. It was a pretty amazing time. And, and, and the big testing was, how, how do you do something bigger than yourself? And, and I guarantee you today, had I not discovered this, there, there would be no Hartford World Lost Cruises and Philippines Ministries and everything because I would have lived in a very mediocre, mediocre box. I'm an average, just a sea average kid from El Paso who had a very limited potential, but there was a moment that got me out of a box when I began to claim and know this Jehovah Jireh. And there were several events. I'll just give you one of them. I'm, you know, we don't have a car that's working. I mean, literally, 
Have you ever had one of those cars where you had to use a clothes hanger for the end? Anyhow, and it, a, a gal, you know, a whole pint of oil about every time we drove. And so he had to do something and went to Casa Ford. We just prayed, God, you're our Jehovah Jireh. If we're going to move, we're going to have to have a car. We've got to do this. And, and I go in there and, and, and the manager had told the salesperson this and I didn't know anything about it. And so the salesperson said, which car in this parking lot would you like? And I said, well, you know, we've got these kids coming. How about this Ford Fairmont? But he says, I said, I could never afford it. I don't even know how much payments I could make. He goes and he comes back. He says, oh, by the way, someone came in here earlier and said, whatever car you choose, they're going to pay for. I said, hallelujah, and why didn't I go for a Mustang? No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but I, I, I said, God, you're kidding me. Now, that was the beginning of something over the next, every need was, was met. But it wasn't that every need was met. It was I signed a contract with Jehovah Jireh. And I knew anything that ever needed in the church, volunteers, whatever, he was my source. And God wants that to become your story. I have a Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> I know I'm not too impressive, but I have a Jehovah Jireh. Somebody say, I have a Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> Look at our memory verse today, Philippians 4.19. This is the one we get to memorize for this week, and it's powerful. So let's see. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, say it with me. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Say it one more time with power. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. A second observation from this story, God promises to provide not only enough for us, but enough through us to help those in need. What is so amazing, when you're your source, you tend to live with a limited mindset. How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to get there? In fact, you might be generous, but you, you follow the mindset that says, well, when we are secure, we're going to start to give. But when God is your source, it changes everything. I tell people all the time, it's much different giving out of a cup and giving out of a hose. <laughs> if you give people out of a cup, it's like, oh, don't take too much. Don't spill my cup. Do you know people who give that way? There better be some for me. And then there's people who have a hose. Drink as much as you want. I, I've got the river of life inside of me. This is a totally different life. And the moment you begin to know and live with the mindset, God is my source, you begin to live to give. Because you know it's not going to run dry. When I talk about God as our plenty too much giving God, I always say it different ways. But I say, you know, when God gives you a dog, it has 12 puppies inside. You know? <laughs> Whenever God gives you, it's more than what it looks like. It's all that you need plus tons more to help a world that's hurting and suffering. In your notes, I put it this way. When God is a source, what he gives 
not only provides, but multiplies. What he gives not only provides, it multiplies. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11. Just a tremendous. I like to say when God gives us food, it's not just food, it's seeds. It's, it's something that, that gives forward to more people than we could have ever dreamed. And he gives back to us more than we, we get the 12 baskets left, but we get to feed the 5,000. <laughs> Look at this verse. And God will generously, somebody say generously. <laughs> Provide all, say all, you need. Then you will always, somebody say always. Have everything, say everything. You need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always, say always again, be generous. And when we take your gifts to those in need, then they will thank God too. In other words, it will come back to you and then it will go forward through you to more people than you'll ever see until you get to heaven. This month we've been giving to different places over $15,000 just to help people and one of the gifts was to Wadabompo I don't know if you saw our global newsletter but it was so cool because this is how it works we, we give them enough to buy it was 16 baskets or for families 16 families in Wadabompo and, and they start to give but all of a sudden God starts moving on the heart of people in Wadabompo and other places in the world and before they know it, they end up being given more than they could ever imagine. And what Pastor Yala told me is they ended up, they started with 16 baskets of food, and it became 150. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and they still have as much money left over as when we sent it. I was trying to, it's almost a hundredfold. I mean, six, you know, 16 to 150. I said, that is what God does. Isn't that fun? How many like that kind of investing? <laughs> you give, God multiplies. This is the plenty too much lifestyle. Thirdly, God provides for us even when it doesn't look and feel like it's gonna be enough. So we learn to trust him and grow and know him better. Now, what happens is God provides for everyone. And yet, you know, God doesn't give them all a million dollars. I wonder if you've noticed this, that God lets us live sometimes in attention. I've almost described my life in ministry is never enough, always enough. <laughs> like, it seems like tomorrow we're not, we're not going to make it, but then God comes through. Have you noticed that? I had someone tell me, man, if God really is going to provide for all my needs, why doesn't he let me win the lottery? And I know some of you, you pray, give us this day our daily bread and let this be that, anyhow, jackpot, whatever. Now, what would happen? And if you've won the lottery, don't forget your pastor, but you know, if that happens, <laughs> how many know you'd have money, but maybe you wouldn't be depending on God as much? Maybe you would be saying, oh, it's good now, God, see you when I run out of money again. 
You see, God provides for us in a way that makes us a river, not a reservoir. I'd rather be a reservoir. But God says, no, there's always going to be enough, but none of it's going to stay with you. Because then you have to trust him. I always say, when God provides, it's not his way of raising funds. It's his way of making sons and daughters. Of teaching you to change and become like Christ. How many have gotten to know God better in time, lean times than you did in easy times? Because you literally had to lean in and say, give us this day our daily bread. Here's what it means to have all you need. It means you live totally dependent on God. It means, how many know God takes a lot of opportunities to pass up on being early to meet your needs? Have you ever noticed that? Why is it the last minute, God? Because then he gets the glory. You're trusting. I was figuring it out recently. I have preached over 5,000 sermons. and That's a lot of preaching. And yet every sermon, I feel like I don't have anything to give today. You think sometime I feel like I got this one now. And, and I pray my favorite prayer every Sunday. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> Anybody know that prayer? <laughs> Get me through this. Why do you, you know what I found out? Here's what it means to be an old Christian. It means that you feel more desperate than you've ever felt, and yet you've learned to trust God more than you ever thought you could because he's always faithful. And you live in that tension, and it causes you to become more like Christ. And I believe the, the greatest way it causes you to be like Christ is, is that it teaches you not just what he can do for you, but who he can be for you as a good, good father. I want you to look at Luke 12, 22. I believe the most important thing God wants to teach us about material stuff is not riches, but relationship with him. What do I mean by that? Well, let's read this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Say it with me. Do not worry about your life. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, but they don't have high blood pressure. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? <laughs> Somebody say, God likes me better than birds. All right, that's pretty awesome. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour? We like to say, worrying is the hardest work you'll ever do that accomplishes nothing, right? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. And I love the Greek. It says, you little faiths. It's literally a noun. Hey, little faiths. <laughs> Quit being little faith and start becoming big believer. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things. And your father knows. Somebody say, my father knows. That you need them. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased. I love this verse. 
It's his good pleasure. I think of Chick-fil-A. It's my pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What I want you to see is that during times of lack, what God is trying to teach you is who your father is. Isn't it interesting God uses a little child? Why? Because children think of material possessions different than adults do. When I have a financial need as an adult, what do I think of? How can I earn more or how can I get more? Kids don't think that way. Kids don't think in terms of what they think in terms of who, who their daddy is, and who their mama is. You don't see a five-year-old sitting on the corner saying, where am I going to get enough to pay this bill? Have you seen the price of milk lately? They don't see it as needs to meet. They see it as a daddy to trust. Let's go play. God wants you to shift your focus to see as a child. And here's what I've learned. When I'm afraid, the more I lean into Father, Papa, God, and know how much he loves me, the more I know the next step I need to take to do what I need to do to open the door that he's gonna provide. Perfect love casts out fear. What I have found is there's something better than a billion dollars. It's knowing that you have a papa who's a good, good father. (laughs) And every time you have need, I don't know if any of you, but I've spent a lifetime learning that in those deep needs, he's always been faithful. And that's where I've come to know him the best in my life. In those crazy times, again, going back to that early time because it was so defining for me, We were about to plant a church and Sharon was pregnant. You know, why not have a baby and start a church the same week? I don't know, but anyhow. And and the Lord told me, he says, I want you to know whatever ministry church you have, that's gonna be like Heidi. I am going to be the father of that church. And the way that I care for, the way you care for your child is, is how I care. And I can take care of all the needs that there will ever be. Well, lots of things happen. I can't tell you the story. She almost came early at seven months. And and how many know that when God cares for you, that doesn't mean you won't have trouble? (laughs) But God did a miracle. God provided all financial. We didn't have enough, literally, to have the baby. I didn't have a pity, and we didn't have insurance, and, and that's a whole story. We had just enough to get to the hospital, pay for the doctor, and then when I was checking out, I said, well, I don't have any money. Does that mean you're gonna keep the baby? But anyhow, they, they kind of said, no, I think there's a discount, and, and they said, we have a pastor's discount. It's unbelievable. They cut the thing in half. I called to thank them, and they said, there's no such thing as a pastor's discount. Who was it that gave you that discount? And then I owed 600 still, and I was driving. Someone bumped into me, And before I could even ask them, they wrote me a check for $600, and it was exactly enough. And God says, see, see Dale, I'm your father, and that's how I will take care of your church. You will never lack, and you will never feel like you have enough, but I'm a good, good father. That's the abundant life. 
So how does God provide for all our needs? Three things today. Number one, switch from looking to yourself to completely trusting God to be the source of your life. The greatest moment of your life will come when you stop trying to be in control and you begin to say, God, you are my provider. I love, you know, Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my life and he is my portion forever. He is my portion. That's, a, that's life to me, people. It means that when you have anxiety about your needs, you do what the Bible says, you cast them on the Father. You tell him all about it, and then you thank him that he's the source of your life. And I don't know how we're going to get it through this time, Father, but I've been young, and I've been old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. I trust you, Father. And you know when God is the source because you have peace. How many know when you're the source of your life, you are stressed out? Can you bear witness to that? I know when I'm the source. It's freak out time. So when I'm freaking out, it's saying, Walker, it's time to give up the keys again. He's your God. Number two, let God's interests be first in your life. He says this word, let's look at it. We heard it in the skit, Matthew 6, but this is the key word here, so powerful. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's read it again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He said, live for obedience, not for achievement or accumulation. If you live to build bigger barns, you're going to be like the fool Jesus talks about right before this passage, who builds his bigger barns and then he dies, and then what? He says, where your treasure is, it's where your heart's going, so you don't make this world your treasure, but Live to obey the Father. Live, and that means surrender everything to him. God, I am not living to be successful. I'm living to be obedient. And, and that means, God, what I'm seeking is not how do I get an advantage here, but God, what's, what, I, how can I surrender to you? Now, what's so good about that is when God owns everything, it's his problem to take care of it. How many know if you get it, you gotta protect it? But if God gives it to you, nobody can take it away. You know, speaking of that, I remember Sharon and I were, got to celebrate our 44th wedding anniversary yesterday. You know, wow, pretty crazy. And we'd look so young, wow, amazing. But uh, I remember stressing out about who will I marry? And I had to try to look good, and I was worried, and would they like me? And then I met her, and I said, I, that, she's it, you know. And, but she wasn't that in, into me, you know. And, and I'll never forget the day. I won't tell you the story now, but God, I, I wrote a letter to God saying, God, you know how much I like that girl. You know what I would love? But God, I lay this down. And if you don't even want me to be married, I won't be married. But God, I completely give up all the options about someone in my life. Did you know that week God spoke to her and told her she had to marry me? Ah! <laughs> Not exactly. 
but told her that I was the one for her. Did you know I never had to, to keep her or be perfect? God gave her to me. And you're so glad, aren't you? Never mind. We're so happy about that. Isn't it wonderful? When you surrender all, he takes control of all. And notice he says, seek first. This is the lesson today. You can seek God and give God leftovers and make your interests first and you will never have enough. Or you can give God first and you can take the leftovers and you'll always have plenty too much. If you can figure out, he says, how to, how to seek first, then all these things will be added to you. You know, there's one reason we don't receive from God, and, and you saw it in the skit today. It's closed hands. God says, I have so much I want to give you. Here it is. Okay, God, anytime. <clears throat> Open your hands. I don't, I don't want to let go. How many know God never can give you more if you're not willing to release what you have? And someone says, that's fine. I just want what I have and I'll keep playing. Okay. But if you save your life, you'll lose your life. That means you'll regret because you will never know what God could have put in those hands if you lived like this. Just live like this about everything. God, my reputation, some people don't like me. Oh, well, I live like that. I might not get the promotion at work. It's okay. I, I, don't, I don't need to get because my Father will give me every good and perfect gift through Christ Jesus, my Lord. He will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. I won't be a pauper. I'm a partner with the living God. I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ right now. So, so there. And it means that willingness. We, we talk about the tithe. What is the tithe? It's the way that you move from being an owner of your stuff to just a manager. Proverbs chapter uh, 3, if we can look at that, verses 9 and 10. There's so many verses about this. But he says it so beautifully. He says, is it somewhere over there? Maybe it's not back there. But he says, uh, basically what he says, give the Lord the first of all your increase, and then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be full and overflowing. Give God the first of your increase. Why? Because when you give God what is first, he becomes the owner of what's left. When you say, God, here is my first fruits, you're saying, God, you're the owner of the rest. When you give God the tenth, you're saying, God, you're the owner of the 100%. When you won't give God, you're saying, God, I'm gonna be the owner and give you a little bit now and then. But when you give the tithe, you're saying, God, no, I am just the manager of what you're gonna give me I do not have to be in charge of this because I am now heir of all that you have and I'm gonna manage whatever I have and the more faithful I manage it, the more you're gonna give me. Seek first the kingdom of God. And lastly, the big giant principle, wherever you have a need, sow a seed. And this is such a great principle because 
Over and over, the Bible says that we are to live by faith. How do you live by faith? What does that mean? How many know faith is, is not just belief? It's not just passive. Oh, I believe God's gonna take care of me. No, faith is action. action. Faith without works is what? Dead. Faith is always taking a risk. It's always stepping out of the boat. Faith always does something. If you're not doing anything, you don't have any faith. And so the way that the Bible describes faith with material possessions is sowing and reaping. Now, if you were from another planet and you came to earth and you watched people sowing to, to plant these farms, you would think that is really weird. I mean, they, they work hard, they spend money to get this seed, they dig all these holes, and what are they doing? And then they throw all their seed in there and cover them up? What on earth is going on? <laughs> because you would know that God put into motion something called the law of increase, which is very simple. What you sow is what you reap. What you give is what you get. And God put that here to say, here's how a person lives by faith. They don't give what they feel, they give what they need. How many know if you give what you feel right now, you're not giving very much? <laughs> but if you give what you need, you're giving a lot because you need a lot of joy. And God says, this is how you live a life of faith. Everything, Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given to you. You get food because you sow seed. How do you get a water pump to give you water? You prime it. You put water in before it ever flows out. You don't wait until you, you see it coming before you pour it in. And God says this is how faith works. Faith is continually saying, God, what do I need? And what is the seed to get what I need? <laughs> Have you found out it works this way, both positively and negatively? What happens if you give criticism? What do you get a lot of? Criticism. What happens if you give your focus to the negative? You get depression. What happens if you give worry? You get more worry. What happens if you get, give bitterness? You get bitterness back. What you give is always what you get back. But the beauty is what happens if you give love, you get more love. The one the Lord's been talking to me about is I want you to give more focus to me because the more focus you give to God, the more awareness of God you have. When someone says, I don't feel God around, I say, how much have you been focused on him? See, if you're focused on the world, you won't even know where God is anymore. <laughs> but if you're focused on God, he will become bigger and bigger in your heart all the time. If you need peace, you care about someone else. In the book, I tell the story about leaving for a mission trip at Valentine's Day, and Sharon's feeling so sad because she's alone at Valentine's Day. What do I do, God? And God puts it on her heart to go to all the single moms, and she has a big Valentine's party. It cost me a fortune. Anyhow, <laughs> I'd never left on Valentine's Day again. That's another story. And she threw a Valentine's Day for all the, the single moms in our whole church. And when I called her from the Philippines, she said, it was the best Valentine's Day I ever had. Send some more money. Um, <laughs> what was she doing? 
She was saying, I could sit here and be depressed. Or I could fill my heart with joy by sowing love. The principle is, don't despise small beginnings. Some of you say, well, I don't have much to give. It doesn't matter how much. It matters who you're giving to. I only have five loaves and fishes. Yeah, but you've got the creator of the universe you're giving to. I can't do much. I was talking to a dear sister of ours who's in a nursing home. She says, I wish I could minister. I can't even leave my room. And she said, but I can pray. And I said, sister, you're gonna bring revival to Las Cruces because you're giving what you can give. Well, I can't solve injustice. Well, you can go and just help somebody fill out a form when they don't know how to do something. Or I can't solve poverty. Yeah, but you could give a lunch to a homeless person. There's always a seed you can sow. And, and whatever that seed is, it becomes what you receive. All of life is that. Every day, the most important question, what will I focus on to give seed to today? Because that's what tomorrow's gonna be. Will I live to give? Will I live to get? And what's so amazing is when you give to God, what he gives is always overwhelmingly more than what you sow. 30, 60, 100 fold. It's this incredible principle that if you will turn your life around, start loving enough people, pouring into others. I've always loved that quote by Zig Ziglar. He says, you can have anything you want in life, just help enough other people get what they want, you know? Again, I mentioned Chick-fil-A earlier, and I love uh, what Truett Cathy did and to read about him and what he said. Someone said, how did Chick-fil-A get so big? He said, we never tried to get big. All I did was I was obsessed with serving our customers the very best way we could. And you know what? If you give your customers enough, they'll demand that you get big, <laughs> you know? I'm not trying to get. I'm just trying, where could I sow another seed? Where, where could I add value somewhere today? Somehow, this is how you get out of this box. You know, this is a season where so many people, I just feel it. And this, I'm speaking from my heart. They got trapped in this, well, I hope this will be over soon. And then I'm going to start really serving God again. And, you know, God says, are you going to be a sitter or a sower? You know, there's something that happens when you're just a sitter. Besides this, but there's other things that happen. You begin to settle. You begin to settle into patterns that are dis, disabling to your own spiritual life. And God says, this is not the time to stare at the clouds. The clouds will rain when you start sowing into the clouds. When you start giving. You want revival? Don't say, when is revival? Start repenting, you know. <laughs> I want my marriage to change. Start sacrificing and laying down your life for your spouse. God wants to speak to you. You know, the, 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 this kind of closing with this, but the Lord gave me this wonderful mentor named Wayne Myers who's given to people. He's a missionary who's given probably well over $50 million. He just gives it away, and God just keeps giving him more. And he told me something I'll never forget as a young not that young, but sort of young pastor, he said, if you give enough in any area of your life, the day will come when God will give you the keys to the storehouse. He will give you authority. 
If you pray for people, the day will come. God will give you an anointing to pray for people with greater power than other people see. If you give financially, the day will come when you will become a river and you will have more than you can imagine to give away. Wherever you give generously, you begin to receive these keys. And I just felt the Lord say, heart for the world, he has keys for you. There are many rooms in this thing called the storehouse of heaven. And if you will give your heart today, God said, I'm going to give somebody keys to the homeless. I'm going to give somebody keys to the miracle work of healing. I'm going to give someone keys to bringing revival and renewal to children. You just say, I'm here, Lord. I'm willing to give, Lord. I am your servant. And God says, take the keys, open heaven. The world is hurting, and I've been waiting for some little kid to bring their loaves and fishes and let me feed the 5,000. Will you live your life for you, or will you open heaven for the world? Can you stand with me? Let's pray. So the worship team comes. Holy Spirit, we love you, Lord. Thank you for being our good, good Father. Just tell him in your heart how grateful that he's provided for you, that he's taken care of you, that he's been there for you. Father, you're with me now. You love me. I don't have to be afraid. If God isn't the source of your life, maybe it's because you've never accepted Jesus. You never accepted what he did on the cross. That's how he becomes your good father, and that's how he becomes your source. You say, Jesus, I accept the forgiveness of sin that you paid for. I accept the fact that you died so I could go to heaven. I, I accept that I can be washed and made a new person. And if you haven't done that, please, right now, just call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says, if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. Even if you're watching online right now, you don't have to crawl on your knees somewhere. You just have to come honest before God and say, God, I'm a sinner, and I need your grace. I believe Jesus Christ died for me and rose again. And I accept you into my heart. Please let us know if you're making that decision today. You can talk to, to, to me or the prayer teams around here afterwards or at home. You can chat right now or email us. But Jesus, come and be the source of our life in this crisis time. Would you just do these three things? God, you're my source. And God, I put your interests above mine. And God, where I have a need, I'll sow a seed. And someone here would say, I haven't put God first. He's maybe third or 22nd. And so God, today, I put your agenda first. I live for obedience, not for achievement. I live to be faithful, not successful. I choose to put God's kingdom before all my personal ambitions. You're the first of my time, my talent, and my treasure. You're not number five. You're number one. When I think of what am I going to do with my time, talent, or treasure, you're first, God. That's how I'm going to live my life. 
And Lord, today where I have a need, I'm going to sow a seed. I'm not going to do what I feel. I'm going to do what I need. I'm going to give to others and give to you. I give you my focus. I give you complete control. I ask you to show me how to give more to my family, how to be more generous and compassionate at work, and how to see the hurting and broken and, and be there in some practical way for them. Just to give joy, to give the extra smile, to give the extra time, to be patient with somebody, and, and, and to think about those who need someone to visit them or call them, and, and just to live the rest of my life. I know if I can sow enough into the clouds, the rain is coming. I know I'll have the open heaven in my life. And right now, I just invite you to ask, Holy Spirit, are you giving me a key today? I want a key today. An area I know you've called me to give. Give me authority to give more and power to do more than I've ever done before in this area of giving. I trust you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you for anointing someone right now, breaking a spirit of fear and poverty and giving them a release. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you so much for coming. There'll be some of us just standing here. If you just want to come for prayer, we'll be here. Love you so much. Have an awesome week, and God bless you online. Thank you for joining in. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.